I old, think, you know, shouldn't pay more than a dollar for a potato cake. Should, mm-hmm. They should be on the PBS or something. <coughs> what if they had medication now? <laughs> then it make me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to Literary Cannonball, inspired by the work of the Stella Count that reveals the ongoing gender imbalance, ongoing gender imbalance, just repeating that for effect, in the conversations we have about books. Literary Cannonball is still striving to correct some of that imbalance by talking about books written by women from around the world. I'm Kirby Femick and I'm joined by... Neve Marnie, student by day, writer edited by night and reader by nature. And... The Year in Murphy here and so happy <laughs> we're so happy to have you here how are we feeling tired tired Lucy Goosey. super tired <laughs> yeah watch out this company is going to be something no. else <laughs> we should do like a tipsy um literary calendar okay i'm halfway through isn't there like a thing like yeah on youtube YouTube, yeah reviews or something yeah yeah and there's like there's like a podcast like drunk history or something is that oh that's a a tv show okay yeah yeah um yeah i mean let's let's that would be fun let's do that maybe not today (laughs) um all right let's get stuck into some book chats for episode 25 we're in our mid-20s you know we're just starting to figure ourselves out Mm. It's a good time. It's a good time. We're almost approaching a quarter life crisis. Oh, God. Oh, I definitely get a quarter life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I went through that. Still going through it. Okay, a blend of memoir and cultural critique. Lee Kaufman's Imperfect or I'm Perfect. Neat trick of the typography on the front cover there. Considers our conceptions of physical perfection and asks what it means to live in a body that differs from the norm. And please note I'm doing air quotes for the norm there. Um, big thanks to Affirm Press and Lee for sending us these copies that we were super psyched to read and super psyched to chat about. What did we think of... I keep meaning to say... I keep going to say I'm perfect, which I know I was doing when we <laughs> first got these books i was like adamant that it was that the book was i'm perfect but it's imperfect Mm. um what are our what are our thoughts and feels i really found there was so many really interesting ideas in this book um because it's part memoir part cultural critique and lee has a really interesting approach to both memoir and cultural critique in that um she's got a really distinct voice and there's quite Mm. a lot of humor to Mm. it and kind of wit and sarcasm which when i listened to a few interviews um with her um particularly the one on the first time podcast which she was talking about writing this book it really kind of helped me get into her mindset and kind of helped the reading experience when i sort of got her sense of tone and phrasing for certain things because there are quite a few subtle jokes throughout and sort Mm. of um, Mm. interesting perspectives. And I found the whole experience um, really thought-provoking, which is quite enjoyable with a book to um, be surprised Mm. by um, uh, both aspects of her life and aspects of the cultural critique and surprises in like, intrigued and wanting to know more about each topic what about you guys yeah um that's a really cool part i think of that kind of blend of that you know memoir and culture critique is that um yeah in some ways it can really push you um but yeah i think the point of um i think lee's really on the page yeah like i really like you can really get a sense of her like she feels very present on the page Mm. in the way that she writes and there's some moments where it quite it it does feel like almost like um she's having these little asides to you as the reader Mm -hmm. you know while she's doing these interviews and because she interviews a lot of people for this book and I'm sure she did a lot more interviews that didn't make it into this book but it almost feels like she's making like these little asides to you as a reader which is a really I mean, that's a really cool thing, I think, as a reader. You almost feel like you and the writer are, like, in on something together, you know? It kind of took me a little while to realise that there are little asides um, to me as a reader because they're not kind of punctuated as 
such like yeah. with brackets or anything it's, it's just, just in there. yeah you're literally with her the entire yeah. time and mm. she knows that you're the reader and like she's kind of really teasing out her um because her perspective shifts quite a bit mm. through the arc of yeah. the memoir which is of, so interesting in and of itself really interesting yeah. how she really um anchored the reader in her perspective and then a few pages later when she learns something new how that perspective shifts and I thought that was really clever as a writer to yeah. um, make that perspective feel present even though she knows that it's going to shift like mm-hmm. 20 pages on yeah. she'll go not what I used to think was whoa what was I thinking this is ridiculous so mm. very clever use of narration yeah. yeah yeah and also I think in terms of narration it's sort of she's not afraid to make to sort of present herself in a way where she's not like that shows her flaws and her sort of biases and especially like what was one of the first interviews with I think Mia and she and you're in her head as a reader or seeing through her eyes and her sort of fears about oh what am I going to how am I going to react to when I see her and what if I'm offense like what if I unintentionally cause offense and and you're sort of going through all of those thoughts and that's actually throughout the yeah again with the interviewing and also just her meditating on um her experiences trains <laughs> um and her meditating on her experiences and also the culture in which we sort of we we are or we're in um you can what was my point uh the train completely sidetracked me um, derailed you. Oh, <laughs> um, when she's yeah, she's sort of, when she's meditating, you're sort of yeah. There's a presentness and um, and a willingness to show who she is and not sort of be self, super self protective. So, and that's kind of brave, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, because brave. like, um, I mean, there are some moments in here when you when um, you're like, whoa, and mm. I just think it's really like. Yeah, incredibly brave of her to just put that on the page, to not shy away from that, to not edit that out, to make herself more sort of palatable to a wider audience or to, like, um, you know, edit herself in some way, to just go, mm. no, I'm just going to leave that on the page. You know, this is this is how I responded. This was my thought process. I'm just going to leave it there. I think that's, like, pretty brave. Yeah. Incredibly brave, particularly um, there was towards the end of the book where she's about to go... Um, on a camp for it's for victims of who have experienced burns and before the camp she's like oh people who have burns have obviously um have been really drunk and foolish and that's how they've burnt their bodies and i was reading that going oh that's, that's generalization <laughs> <laughs> but within a page or two later she's like i was so wrong about what i was thinking and then kind of um explained who the people were on the camp and then added in a few statistics about the amount of um, the kind of situations where people do get burnt and they're kind of often mistakes such Mm. as scalded by water and things like that. Yeah, just accidents. But I thought it was just so incredible that she put her first impressions on the page to kind of like really own that sort of um, incorrect perspective and then sit alongside her learning experience so I felt Mm -hmm. like this memoir was um, particularly how it finishes how she opens with a lot of questions and the way she closes it was quite an open sort of question as well of like it wasn't a classic narrative arc of I started like this and now I'm like this and it's a complete arc and it's finished I felt like it just swerved I don't really ever believe like any kind of memoir that does that you know, it that ends, so ends with, like, a clean yeah. sort of, you know, um, and then we all wandered off into the sunset and it was fine. I'm just like, no, you didn't. <laughs> so, like, I kind of appreciate that, like, a messy ending. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's much more true to life and to the reality. And we know that she, Lee, did a PF, uh, PF, <laughs> <laughs> PhD. And, like, I can imagine that whole process would have been really messy too and the ending of that would have been really messy and then for that to spin into this book 
it kind of needs to be like that. And I also wonder whether that's just a bit of a kind of, you know, whole play on the title and the kind of concept of the book as well. Yeah. To like yeah. avoid that kind of neat, tidy ending and stick with the we're imperfect, everyone's imperfect. That's, yeah. Mm. yeah. Absolutely. But it would be so hard to leave a story open. Yeah. Like, I think we're kind of conditioned in Western storytelling to start beginning, middle, end. And, like, even in anecdotes, when we tell to one another, we kind of, like, really yeah. end an yeah. anecdote and kind of close it off. Mm-hmm. So I find it really, um, really reassuring that there's more and more memoirs bucking the trend of a complete narrative arc, particularly when it comes to the body. Um, for example, Carly Finlay's memoir talking about um ichthyosis was just like really it felt like an ongoing journey Mm. and also like her journey is ongoing like she's still here like how do you finish a memoir and go that's the end like it's not (laughs) not absolutely (laughs) well i mean unless the person writes it and then immediately dies after (laughs) like they're gonna then that i'm sorry i shouldn't laugh about that it's been a long day (laughs) (laughs) well i mean then they're presumably going to continue to live their lives and and as you said if you're in your body then um as like that's you're going to continue to exist within your body and then as lee sort of saying like how you inhabit your body and your feelings about your body it can be quite fluid and people Mm. often sort of change and facilitate and that's perfectly normal can we talk about that idea a little bit Mm -hmm. which is like the idea of your relationship with your body which is obviously like the basis of this of this book in many ways uh it's a com it's something that i Um, and this is a bit of a tangent and kind of personal it's something that I have felt so much in the last two years since I started playing football Mm. Aussie rules football for our interstate and international listeners is that my relationship with my body has changed so much in that time I think because I'm using it in a way that I never have before Mm. and what I have come to understand is how much I don't know about my own body, which seems so strange because I've existed in this physical being for like 33 years. But I feel like there's so much that I just, I just don't know. Mm. Is that more, say, if you've got an injury and going through the healing process? I think that's, like... that's what sort of revealed it to me is like, um, you know, I can tell you, um, the colour of my hair and my eyes, you know, I can describe how I've got freckles on my arms, but I can't tell you so much of the kind of inner workings of my body or like um, how it operates. And it feels like such a strange thing to not know about yourself. Does that, like, I mean, you know all this stuff, Fee, because you're trained, you're (laughs) trained, like you work in the healthcare industry. But but I have to say that's, the norm and yeah. very common it's um highly unusual for someone to come in completely literate and mm. aware of their body um so for clarity i'm a physiotherapist and we all have kind of our own perspective of how we are and how we move in the world and that's partly the brain tells us only a little bit of information because otherwise we'd be overwhelmed. It's mm. kind of like when you put a T-shirt on and you forget that you have the T-shirt on. Yeah. Because if your body was giving you all of that information all of the time... Like feeling the T-shirt on your skin, yeah. then it would we be just overwhelming. filter out and focus in on what we need. Mm. So that kind of happens to everyone. It's a filtering process. And it's only when you have an injury that's where we kind of start to focus on different yeah, parts. Yeah, it becomes like really, really obvious. But I think it's just really interesting in relation to the, you know, the conversations that are being had in this book, which are obviously very different from what I'm talking about in terms of, you know, playing a very physical sport but just that idea of, yeah, the way that we interact with our bodies and I guess also how we choose to use them because she talks to people that have done body modifications mm. or are tattooed and things like that. And, yeah, I'm just kind of, like, quite fascinated by that idea of 
our relationship with our body, what we do, what we don't know, and how we choose to use it. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm um, sold on all the things that are included in this book. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm... I, I feel like it's it does kind of jump around a little bit and, and not everything feels quite connected to me um, and maybe that was just the way that I read it but I, I don't know what am I like what way off no I think there was sort of a um, how sort of it's connected it's sort of at the end of the last chapter there's like some sort of inciting question or some sort of connection that leads on so it feels like sort of braided one after the other as like a linear kind of linear-ish kind of trail of discovery i will say linear because it's sort of the um first and last sort of chapter kind of like mirror reference each other Mm. but um i think yeah there was some stuff that i found more interesting than other things i'm not sure like um what's some i think the stuff the discussion about um makeup and sort of like the sort of feminist discourse on makeup I found was interesting but not what I not necessarily my own like it's not my own perspective on it Mm. but and that might be a generational difference I think it probably is yeah because like I think with Lee she's I presuming so responding to sort of a lot of like the um feminist discourse that's like the really tradition, like the sort of older feminist discourse, which was very like anti-makeup and very sort mm. of like, it's a sort of like a capitalist way of, you know, trying to attract men. Yeah. Whereas I grew up in the kind of post-feminist um, dialogue where it was sort of like, makeup can like be empowering and, you know, you know, makeup can like, you can... Well, what's some of the phrases that people use, like, you know, kill a man with your winged eyeliner and all that sort of <laughs> crap. Um, and I, I feel in my own self, it's really, it's hard to sort of relate to that purely because, like, for me, I have really sensitive skin, so I don't wear makeup on a day-to-day basis because it's really expensive and I can't, and it's, like, physically really irritating to me. Mm. So... When like people sort of are saying like, uh, it's like, it's hard because when people sort of say t- to me, like, oh yeah, well you don't have to wear makeup or like, when am I trying to say? It's, it's like you're kind of making a statement uh, by actually, not wearing it when kind it's of, got but actually, nothing to do with that. I think there's actually a phrase. Ah, here it is. Um, already frightened I come to the particularly abhor any advice beginning with I try to keep it very basic because then which I absolutely laughed when I read it because that's the sort of thing of like what people who wear makeup very regularly will try and be like oh yeah well I just do like a really basic routine and then proceed to describe a really like intensive here's the 600 steps it takes me an hour and a half it's so basic oh yeah so because like and the two sort of like um sides to this was like the people who wear really like heavy sort of often like sort of pin-up girl dramatic makeup Mm. who are sort of like that's the way that i feel empowered and then the sort of the other band where it's like the no makeup makeup like working woman's like very sort of like not like I won't say basic because honestly I don't think there's any way of doing it that's more of a natural but more of a natural like a fewer steps of that yeah Um, but the thing is I don't really fit neatly into either of those Mm. and like I find it hard like in terms of I, I understand where they're coming from and I understand that a lot of women have wear makeup for various different reasons partly maybe because they like it partly because there's still a necessity and still an expectation of women mm, to wear it and absolutely there, there are benefits to wearing it very, yeah. like financial and romantic and a whole lot of benefits to it um so the fact that i don't and the fact that i sometimes can't is a bit awkward mm-hmm. to sort of engage with that and then in the times that i actually do 
the comments that I get where it's like, oh, you look so beautiful. Oh, like I fake tanned for my brother's wedding because I was a bridesmaid and there was sort of an expectation to do that. Yeah. Um, I've been there. And then I, the like literally so many people who know me were like, oh, you should do this all the time. Mm. You look so gorgeous. And like, I was Are like, the inferences that you that you don't in like when you're not fake tanned. Yeah, it's kind of the underlying message. Isn't it it, it, it really is like it, it, and it's sort of like oh, it feels so backhanded, and it's sort of like oh, well, like this isn't this is a expectation you're placing on me. Mm. Like if I saw myself and was like oh, actually I kind of like that. I feel like that might might be a slightly different thing. But no, this was something I did for someone else. And then, yeah, it's so, I don't know. It's I'm, very loaded. It's very loaded. But I think a, the, a lot of the conversations that, that I've been having, mm. that are had, sorry, I can't speak anymore, <laughs> that are, you know, being had in this book are quite loaded. Mm. Um, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about scars. And, you know, when you think culturally of scars, they have been used to signify, you know, the bad guy has scars. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, and that's a really interesting kind of um, cultural thing that is worth interrogating and, and yeah. sort of investigating and, um, you know, that sort of thing. And Lee makes this really interesting point, actually, that, um, you know, the the way that our medical system works now, you know, the advances that we have made are that people survive accidents and illnesses that previously they may have not. Yeah. And they but they may do so with, you know, a scar or, you know, some type of um physical impairment and things like that. And that's a really I think that's a really interesting point that I hadn't considered until I like read it in the yeah. book. It was like, yeah, of course. And then how does that kind of shape the the cultural conversation and, like, the broader conversation around, you know, that idea of scars or the imperfect, we're doing the air quotes again, um, body. Yeah, I think that's I feel like it is a conversation that's unravelling at the moment, particularly, mm. um, as I mentioned before, with Carly Finlay's mm. book where she, um, in her memoir say hello she discusses her experience in the world but there's also Sinead Gleason's um yes. collection of essays constellations which also has a few same cultural touch points mm. in the yeah. essays that is in imperfect so I found it a really kind of fruitful experience of having read an Irish writer's perspective mm. of the medical yeah. system and having a body with significant scars versus uh, a writer living in Australia um, with a, a different perspective on scars and the different kind of focus points of um, what they drew out of the same cultural references. Mm. I, it's a really exciting time for memoir because I think it really is shifting away from that distinct open closed narrative arc of this is my perspective from here to there. It's an exploration. Yeah. And I feel like it's only now becoming that style of writing where it's pulling in lots of different mm. things. It's, it's mulling and sitting yeah. and just Even, kind of... Even um, Leslie Jameson's Recovery. Recovering? Recover yeah. I always get the name of that book wrong. <laughs> and I literally recommend Recovering it on the podcast. Recovering Recovery? It's one of those. Mm. Excellent um, book. But it does the same thing, doesn't it? It takes um, this experience of hers and it's sort of... In many ways, what Lee Kaufman does here broadens the conversation out to the sort of cultural narrative and social and, and political, I guess, in um, Leslie Jameson's work as well. Um, what I think is interesting is these are all women writing about these ideas, about the body and, you know, that sort of broader, doing that broader cultural critique as well as writing about their very personal experiences with their bodies. Is that like a really... Um, I don't want to ask, is that feminist? Because that's such a ridiculous question. But is that like a a really sort of like empowering thing to do? Is that a really political thing to do to, as a woman to say, to write about your body in that way? I My knee-jerk reaction, it would be, I wouldn't know unless the author says so, but I feel like it's almost, when I've read all these works, they're just 
not hedging their bets, but they're showing that they've thought deeply about it. And in terms of the, a societal perspective, you need to prove that you've thought deeply by saying, these are my reference points, these mm. are my references. And I need Here's to, the work I've done. Yeah. Well, it's partly that. And also to kind of hedge off um, that trolling and hedge off the kind of uh, disagreement by saying, this is an idea this is the reasons why I think about this idea. So it's almost another labor that female writers have to do to prove that they're extensive thinkers. So I think it's a really exciting time as a reader, but I think that expectations are just getting really high for writers to um, prove that they're not just navel gazing, which is that kind of, again, like a backhanded sort of way of saying all female writers are navel gazers. So I think Mm. it's almost with these memoirs are becoming even increasingly more cultural critiques. Yeah. I'm really excited. Mm. I'm learning so much more. I just wonder what that motivation is as a writer, if it's um, partly to be like, I need to do this to... Or maybe it's just—it's maybe it's just a bit scary to write an entire book just about yourself and um, perhaps your own body. Yeah. Well, I mean, but the thing is, I, going back to your earlier sort of question about whether you thought we thought everything sort of worked in this book, I felt like some of the discussions could have been like like the sort of cultural sort of discussions. They were interesting, but I didn't necessarily care as much as I cared about. Lee and her story and her sort of like th- mm. thoughts about stuff. So like, you kind of got to like, yeah, it's yeah, a, it's a fine which, line maybe. Yeah, which I don't, I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy reading them because I did, but also I think it's a sort of thing of like, well, women are sort of um, conditioned to be a little bit more like self conscious and self, like body conscious and body aware. 100%. So I feel like that speaks to how maybe why a lot of these the writers in this space are women but also like I don't know and I I think I maybe sometimes find this as well as when I'm writing is yeah this it it is can be a bit of a defensive thing of like I can't just speak from me or I can't just yeah navel gaze or just have like a personal is it it like like not feeling like you have the authority so maybe authority is the wrong word but yeah not feeling like you can have that conversation just about your experience like you were saying feel like needing to back it up in a way i've definitely found that with um the project that i'm working on at the moment which is a collection of essays that i've really leaned heavily into science to kind mm. of ground my perspective but also mm. it's partly out of like shit what if i get this wrong what if my yeah. like yeah what are my As if your personal experience could ever be wrong no but not just personal experience but theories and thinking yeah. and reality yeah. of the yeah. world which yeah. i found that lee did that in a really deft hand of saying this is my thinking at this time of my life when i was a child i thought this mm. and really kind of grounded us in Mm. what her experience as a child was and then as she was going through her 20s and 30s um she recreated that reality each time and i'm finding that is taking a lot of reflection and effort to recreate what you used to think Mm. especially if your perspective changes and my perspective has been changing so much Mm. the more research i do the more i'm like how do I capture this like zigzag of thoughts on the page? And yeah. I really respect Lee for um, giving the reader access to all of that knowledge and that shift in perspective. All the kind of, mm. you know, mechanics that are going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as I got used to her sentence structure and style, because it's a really unique um, way of how she, she does these really nice long sentences and it's kind of like this sort of, conversational style yeah it is very conversational yeah and it made the statistics nicer like Mm. it didn't feel like fact 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 whereas I was like along the way I was learning a lot of stuff but it was one of those books where I don't know about you guys I 
stopped and I had little conversations with people along the way of going, did you know this? What do you think of this? I felt like it's a really good conversation starter because some of the things um, I hadn't thought about the way that Lee has thought about, for example, tattoos to me, tattoos are just ink on skin. I never kind of thought that mm. they're perhaps uh, an expression of someone in a psychological anguish or... I mean, from personal experience, no. Same. Mm. But which is what's really kind of... I chatted to a few people of like, what do you think about tattoos and da da And it kind of really opened me up to curiosity of other perspectives because I was potentially what I thought was what everyone thought. Mm, so yeah. I think memoirs like this where someone's got a really clear perspective is, I mean, can be uncomfortable at times when it doesn't align with your own. But yeah. it's also yeah. what a gift to learn about someone else's view. Yeah, mm. and it's worth reading, I think, um, even if, um, you know, things don't align with you and your thinking and your kind of perception of the world. Mm. Because, I mean, it's important to be pushed on our ideas i think i and mean to know that they are it. ideas rather than fact like, yeah yeah it's quite easy to kind of fall into this falsity of like let's fact this is what everyone thinks it's no fact. Yeah. it's just your it's an opinion I, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah for sure um so are we uh, what, what are we doing are we recommending are we two thumbs up are we one thumbing are we using any thumbs i don't even know what i'm saying <laughs> um yeah i would recommend this book and uh yeah i definitely recommend this as like as you said Faye, as a conversation starter i yeah because there's just i think there's just so much great stuff in here there's so many really interesting ideas um and so much respect for other people's experiences and even when like i think what she's doing is like sometimes um she'll have two sort of very contra- two sort of contradictory worldviews but and also have addressed them in a sort of way that's respectful and saying that yeah. there's truth there's can be truth to both of these things mm, and yes. not one person's experience doesn't invalidate another person absolutely which was really cool yeah. I, I enjoyed um yeah so even the stuff that yeah as you said i didn't necessarily vibe with i was like i can see where you're coming from and that could, there was a yeah it was really well written it was really well considered and good yeah. yeah i'm not sure i'd make a blanket recommendation to everyone to read i think i would probably make very specific recommendations yeah to people who i think would appreciate or um find some value or find something mm. um in this book but i think there's a yeah there's these are really important conversations, I think. Um, I think it's really important that women talk about their bodies and that we have these conversations and that these books exist in the world, um, you know. So uh, I think there's a lot of value. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I'm always going to be calling it I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just, the book designer has just, just yeah, done me a number on this one. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's a it's a lovely um, cover. Like, it's very like sort of dramatic. I know, it, it is very dramatic. Yeah, when I yeah. read it on the train, people were sort of like give me sort of like it looks like. What, what are you reading? So nice. And I can only just echo your thoughts. I um, think that this is a really great contribution to what feels like a new canon of mm. writing. Mm. Of yeah. that really kind of reflective cultural critique memoir writing about the body from a female perspective yeah um i'm hopeful that just more and more books are going to be added yes, to please. this space yes please send them to us i feel like they just kind of um create this really rich conversation so 100%. if that's your vibe yeah. pick up this book because it's just going to add to your perspective of female bodies and what they how they operate and function and feel in the world which is so whether however you identify if you're interested in that totally recommend Mm -hmm. yeah awesome i'm gonna go have a cup of tea yeah
Okay, so what have we been reading and watching and listening to? Do the dance. That we want to give the two thumbs up to. Who wants to go first? Me! Yeah. First time ever. Yeah! <laughs> um, I've been listening to the 7am podcast that's been put Ooh. out by Sports Media. Yes, yes. Um, it was launched oh, about a fortnight or so ago, and I feel mm. like it is nicely embedded in my morning routine. Mm. Um, it doesn't always come out at 7am. Oh, but that's it's a little foible. <laughs> <laughs> what time does it come out? Oh, it kind of shifts around a little mm. bit, but. That's quite funny. It's um, it's a tight fifteen minute narrative storytelling media podcast thing. Yeah. Where they generally um, so they have a one topic that they talk about in depth for about twelve to thirteen minutes. Yeah. And um, the host is obviously quite well read about it, and they have a specialist who talks about something in the media, whether it's uh, a journalist who's spent a lot of time in that niche, or they've got someone else involved in the industry or whatever, and they just cover really hard-hitting topics. Um, They've spoken, they did a really great deep dive into Scott Morrison's career in Tourism Australia and oh being fired from that job and yeah, I was right. like this is filling in For a lot of gaps shit terrible human yeah. being <laughs> and just how he is as an operator as well shit and terrible um, <laughs> just kind of a bit of a okay and then just spending fuck tons of money yeah awesome yeah. really interesting stuff mm. um, as well as other kind of just things that come up in the media yeah, quite frequently. In the news cycle. So, yeah, it kind of follows the news cycle. And it's just a really convenient way to stay up to date with uh, what's happening in the media, but also getting a little bit of a deeper dive. Mm. And it's quite a good conversation that happens. So it doesn't feel like just a list of facts, but they yeah. kind of do a little bit of analysis around it. And my favourite one so far was when they spoke about the ABC um media Australian Federal Police oh my god and it was just a really interesting look around how they could get away with it and what the Mm. warrant was about and I was just so interesting I think it's a really that valuable one of the journos podcast. was live tweeting it as it was oh, that was so funny that was so funny oh, very um, I actually knew that that podcast was coming so I but I still haven't checked it out so I'm gonna have a it's well worth going space. back to the old episodes mm. because it's whilst it's with the news cycle they're doing it in such a way that each episode is um, useful mm, outside in of, of itself. So they, mm, they, yep. they contextualize it, and it's just a really nice listening experience. Mm. And I also recommend the nonfiction book Minor Monuments by Irish writer E. Mullaney. Mm. Um, he was telling me about this the other week. It yeah. was published in 2019, and it's a really interesting nonfiction memoir essay collection where it's this Irish writer, critic, sort of arts critic, but he grew up in rural Ireland on his family's farm right next to a bog. And he's experiencing sort of the the rural farm life from kind of a, like a sound engineer perspective because he originally trained to become a sound engineer before he realised that he, He's not that interested in sound, but the idea of storytelling. But he kind of has this really nice um, perspective of the world because he's just so curious about everything, even bogs in general. And he has this whole long history of bogs that I was like, God, this is fascinating. And I'm just like ripping through this book going, (laughs) tell me more about the bogs. And he also, it's a memoir essentially about his grandfather's um, experience with Alzheimer's because he's basically a documentary sort of person, the guy writing it, Ian. He wants to record the family stories whilst he realises those stories are slipping away Mm. and the countryside is slipping away with climate change. So it's this whole idea of what's permanent and impermeable and time and who's responsible for holding on to history and can you actually hold on to history when mm. history is unfurling at the same time so it's yes, a yes. beautiful meditation yeah. on the idea of 
documentary making and storytelling and I found it so um, moving to get such a deep look at a really specific corner of Ireland and he treats it with such reverence and respect but he's also honest that he wasn't always like that he mm. wanted to go to the big smoke get away yeah. from it and just like be where the art and the culture and the life was and yeah. then as he gets older he realizes actually there's a lot of life and living in this corner of the world so I just found it heartbreaking in some respects because those connections are being lost um, within my own family, within his family, within mm. a lot of families as things change and people are forced to leave rural locations. Mm. Um, it's a really beautiful collection of essays and it's only a slim book but he fits so much in. It's really well done. Can't wait to buy that and read it. Are you gonna go? You're gonna be like slapping your knee each time, like you turn a page and you're like, ah, this is the money. I love it. Okay, I'm gonna go next. If that's all right with you, Neve. Sure. Um, two recommendations this month: a movie and a book. The first one is one that's just—I mean, it's fairly recent on Netflix. I think. Um, Always be my maybe. Um, from Ali Wong. Mm. It's so good. I I was telling you guys before. I just love a good rom-com and I'm not afraid to admit that. I, you know, I think that it's kind of like the romance genre gets looked down upon as if like it's not worthy. And yeah. I feel like rom-coms are kind of, people do that to rom-coms a bit too. But I think when they're done really well, they're really good. And I really enjoyed Always Been My Maybe. I thought it was just such a fun movie. You know, you have these childhood friends that kind of reconnect um, after Sasha, who's played by Ali Wang, goes off and becomes this incredible, successful chef with all these restaurants. Um, yeah, and it's it's really sweet and really lovely. And there's a hilarious cameo by Keanu Reeves, which is probably one of the funniest cameos I've ever seen in my life. It was sensational. He's brilliant. Um, but, yeah, it's a really lovely movie. It's on Netflix at the moment. So, yeah, just go and spend a couple of hours and feel good about the world. Mm. Um, the other one is a book, <clears throat> excuse me, Anne Tyler's Dinner at the Homesick Restaurant. Um, it was released in 1992, so it's a bit of an oldie. Not really, 92 is not that bad, is it? Um, I really enjoyed this book. I really tried to savour it. I didn't kind of want it to end. Um, it's just that it's, and it's not some sort of like, um, incredible plot driven book it's just this kind of like character study in a way it's uh, this family in in baltimore um the husband is a traveling salesman and he uh, he abandons his family and pearl is left to raise the three children and it's it's just a really i don't know i just really enjoyed it i just really enjoyed reading it and it's such an interesting structure because each chapter is told from the perspective of a different member of the family and there's these massive jumps in time between each chapter although they sort of the time sort of shrinks a little bit as as the book goes on but um it's yeah it's just really great um i think it's the first book by Anne Tyler that i've read but i really enjoyed it and i'm gonna be reading more and yeah it's good Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I think I'll have two recommendations for this one. First one is um, a sort of a long read on BuzzFeed. And it was, oh, man. <laughs> we know what you're going to say. We already know. Um, and it has the very intriguing title of the time I went on a lesbian cruise and it blew up my entire life. And it's I all mean, it really did. <laughs> I mean, imagine being the person that got to put that title on that on that uh, essay. Yeah, the, just yeah. The, the joy you would feel as an editor just <laughs> then typing that in. Oh, great. And, oh my God. I mean, I knew that there was going to be a time when I started reading it, but I did not know how much of a time it would be. It, it was, was very popular on the tweets. Oh, so good. I mean, because, like, there was just so many layers to it because there was the sort of the obvious sort of layer of, like, it's, you know, she was sort of commissioned to, like, to go on this cruise and talk about, you know, the cruise and and the sort of... She thinks it's going to be this sort of, like, sad reminiscence of this, like, cruise that um, caters specifically to lesbians that... Um, 
won't probably last because of the sort of increasing erasure of lesbian like sort of focus spaces mm. um but and that's part of it but then it becomes about so much more like it's it about does. like oh it's about like intergenerational sort of uh conversation and it's about trans inclusion and it's about this beautiful romance which is the sort of the yes. backbone which is gorgeous it's so beautiful it's so good um and the writing is just mm. really sharp and like really honest um and my god the last line absolutely like slayed me i was like tearing up on the tram <laughs> i mean i mean mm. i feel like it could almost become a book because yeah, there's yeah. Many i actually hope that she writes a book that, yeah because whilst it, it's quite a lengthy piece... Um, it's like 10,000 words or something. Yeah, yeah, it is a long... I, I think it took up most of my ride, like, my travel to uni, and that's not a short time. It's not a short time. Yeah. yeah. I was um, waiting for a plane, so I was at a gate. I hadn't even realised how delayed my plane was because I was just <laughs> like, oh, got to keep reading, and I was so focused in it because mm. it's enthralling. Mm. Yeah. And then when it gets to the romance, I was just like, yeah, tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I found the conversation, we've obviously all read it. Yeah. Um, I found the conversations, the sort of threads of that essay when she, where she was talking about that erasure of like, um, you know, lesbian culture and, and spaces and things like that. Mm-hmm. I found that incredibly interesting and I, I actually really hope that she does a bit more of a deep dive on that. I reckon there's a book in that. I, I just found that. I mean, that's something I wasn't aware of. And so, yeah, learning about that was, like, really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, just because as, even as, like, a queer woman, I'm very conscious of it. As, yeah. And, well, I mean, there's a whole lot of factors. I don't really have time to get into. Part of it is the fact that, obviously, women, because of the patriarchy, earn less. And then so there's stuff around money and, mm-hmm. and the app. It's just a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but... In any case, we'll try we'll wrap it up. It's really good, it's fantastic. It's absolutely worth reading. Um, if you're any in any way interested in any, women of those. can write ten thousand word essays. Who knew? <laughs> um, I'm just assuming everyone's seen that tweet. Sorry. Wait, which tweet? Oh, uh, I hadn't seen that. <laughs> there was there was something going around on Twitter a few weeks ago about this um, this editor, a dude, sort of making this comment that like only like men only like white men can write like 10,000 word you know like long form essays like that what I think not what, I mean was it obviously like a joke or I mean I think it was kind of an offhanded thing that he didn't like give much thought to which probably then reveals even more deeply his thoughts mm. um he was taken down pretty swiftly but um yeah when I when I was reading that that tweet was something that kept popping up in my mind. Here's this incredible piece of writing by a woman. Yeah. Ten thousand word essay. And very specifically, like about like a queer woman's mm. experience. It was yeah, it was really great. Um, I highly recommend. Um, my second recommendation, just sort of running in this sort of like queer theme, is Good Omens. It's a TV show that's been adapted from um the Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman novel. Yeah, both of them. Uh, and I just, oh, I really enjoyed it. Like, there's, like, such a great sort of vibe about it. Like, it's my... when it, Whenever you're going into, like, a sort of a fantasy kind of um, sphere, I really like a sort of not-too-serious kind of let's engage with how ridiculous this kind of is. But also there's a beautiful sort of... Um, like love story undercurrent and also engaging with some uh, really interesting topics as well so there's sort of a nice balance and a duality there um yeah so that was a it's really good basically i'm just trying to think about how to describe the plot is um uh there's the two sort of main protagonists is uh, one is an angel one is a demon and they've had a sort of this like really ongoing relationship since like the beginning of time and then the 
big sort of inciting incident is that the world is going to end and so you've got as the as the tv show goes on it sort of has like four days and three hours till the world ends oh, really? <laughs> and it's like it's a signpost and um there are a whole lot of other like na- different narratives and different stories that are sort of woven in some i enjoyed more than others like some you're sort of like oh, maybe you should have left that in the book cash it off but um yeah overall really lovely um really enjoyed it it's a good time awesome yeah yeah this is like always my favorite part of the podcast because i just write all your recommendations down and then go and like read them and watch them and although i've already read those so yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like wow, I've already got one off the list. Happy <laughs> 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 to help. Oh, and you've seen you've seen the always yeah, oh, two. Two. yes. Oh, oh, no. Look at her. We're so on it. <laughs> All right. Are we done? Yeah, we're done. Yay! Yeah. Well, no, we like to get together and talk about books. Yeah. Oh, no, but I'm super keen on this pizza. I'm not going <laughs> to <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up then, shall we? Thank you for listening to Literary Cannonball. We hope you'll tune in again next time when we'll be talking about Sphinx? Sphinx. 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 Yeah. I, I forgot to put the H in. <laughs> Sphinx by Anne Goretta. I'm probably mispronouncing that. That's what I do. I apologize. Um, all right. I'm really excited. I'm really looking forward to that one because it's a really pretty book. Oh, it's pretty. <laughs> um, and if you want to keep the book chats going, we are all over the socials, like all, all over, over the socials. Mm. We've got Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And tell us what you think about this month's memoir, Imperfect, or what your favorite memoir memoir. or cultural critique is because we are building up a really good list and want to keep reading yes we do please please send them Mm. absolutely plus make sure to check out our website literarycannonball.com where you'll find a full wrap of the show notes and a full list of and links to our recommendations that's literarycannonball.com donesies yeah all right let's have some pizza yes Oh, actually, I was reading this in class, and my teacher Rose was like, "Oh yeah, my friend wrote that book. I'll tell her that you're reading it." And (laughs) my face was like, "She knows." Yeah. Well, the thing is, I didn't know how to say like, um, actually, no, she already knows. So sort of, I sort of was like, I my face must have looked really weird because people around me was were like laughing like oh is it not good I'm like no it's really good it's just I was writing it for a podcast and my teacher was like I don't care <laughs> 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 not like I don't Sick care <laughs> not like actually but like she was sort of like the point of it was like oh authors love knowing that the reading book but it's sort of like like she, she knows because she sent it to us yeah but I didn't know how to say that in like without a, being like a dick yeah. <laughs> so I was like just let it go authors send me their books <laughs> That's the type of person I am. Like, oh, I don't know. Babe, I haven't bought a book in 10 years. <laughs>